0: The following podcast will contain foul language and spoilers, and if we're lucky, sex, violence, nudity, and triggers. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to the Everett Book Club. We are a twice-monthly book review and discussion podcast specializing in old or out-of-print science fiction and fantasy.
0: My name is Ruiz Tremello, and for a living, I unsuccessfully train owls to deliver the mail.
1: And my name is Marguerite, and I'm the only one who knows the current whereabouts of Planet X.
0: Together we travel the world administering Turing tests, but today we're recording in our hometown of Everett.
1: At the end of the last season, Ruiz and I were about to confront Rogue AI, who had taken over our house.
0: And confronted we did, and after a three-hour battle that destroyed several city blocks, we now have a robot butler.
1: She calls herself ButlerBot3000, and she makes the best margaritas I've ever had.
0: Aw, even better than mine? It's no contest, Ruiz. Well, in that case, I don't want to talk about that anymore, because we're actually here to talk about... Killa Chandra, Crystal Singer by Anne McCaffrey. This is our season two premiere, and I'm very happy to be starting this with a story that is unlike any we have covered so far in the podcast. Oh my. Because Killa is not a typical A to B to C kind of a story with three acts and a hero and intrigue and a plot. <laughs> Don't think of this, in fact, as a story at all. Think of this as a vacation. Really? Kind of like how we just had a vacation during the break between the season one finale and this, the season two premiere. Mm Mm-hmm. In fact, if you're going to think of it as any vacation, think of it as Weekend at Bernie's Part 2, except without a dead body.
1: Uh, meaning?
0: I suppose we'll find out. Marguerite, would you be so kind as to describe the cover for our listeners?
1: So we're on a planet's surface, and we've got a human woman wearing a red aviator outfit with aviator glasses. She's holding a bag of crystals. Just shards of crystals sitting on top of, I don't know, maybe some kind of tiny plane thing.
0: And we are actually cheating because the short story of Killa Crystal Singer, is actually taken from Continuum 2, the short story collection that we actually visited once before, featuring the Fire Mountain, if you remember that story with the four robots.
1: Nope. I don't remember. The
0: four robots who were on an adventure sailing across the world. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was from Continuum 2 as well. However, I'm using the cover of the Kilachandra novel for our thumbnail.
1: Why would you tell people that?
0: At the end, you'll find out why. There's some interesting facts about this short story that don't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so, the era in which our story takes place. Uh, for the notes, I wrote down, Balibran.
1: What's Ballybrand? It's
0: actually the home planet of Kilachandra. Okay. So this is the far future, and there's lots of planets settled by humans. We don't know if there's aliens around or not. There's no mention of them anyway. (laughs) Just humans scattered across the galaxy. Everywhere, everywhere, like a plague. (laughs) You bet. So let's get started with the first sentences of Kilachandra, Crystal Singer by Anne McCaffrey. Killishandra came in from the Mile Key Mountains with a load of rose, quartz, prisms, and cylinders in A-sharp or higher. She worked well in the upper registers, which gave her a distinct advantage over most of the crystal singers in the Heptite Guild.
1: Oh, so she wasn't, like, stealing them. She oh, no. She was just in the guild.
0: She mines them. Yeah. And thus we meet our protagonist, Killishandra, no last name.
1: Just Kilashandra.
0: Yes, we... Quit-
1: you have a first name like that? You don't need a last name.
0: Kind of like you, Marguerite. You bet. We quickly learn that as a crystal singer, she locates the proper pitch and frequencies of various crystals. In this case, rose quartz, to properly cut and shape them for use in engines and motors. Hmm. Bringing her load into town, the guildmaster Lanzecki, congratulates her on the prisms and cylinders, since they're the shapes currently dominating the market, over those lame-ass cubes and octagons. Right. Hmm. Killa Chandra shrugs it off by saying it's just luck, remembering how, quote, the scream of crystal had sliced through her mind as she'd cut.
1: Ooh, pleasant.
0: She thinks about how she wants to get off world for a while to give her mind a chance to heal.
1: You know, from all the torture she's giving to crystals and them screaming out in pain.
0: And tearing her brain apart. Mm Mm-hmm. And she asks Lanzeki what the guild's percentage is going to be. He doesn't immediately answer.
1: Yeah, that's suspicious.
0: Instead warning Kilachandra that she's been cutting Crystal solo for too long. And also she missed a storm by only two hours while out there last time.
1: Well, that's why she wants vacation.
0: Kilachandra feigns nonchalance, but doesn't actually remember hearing the storm sign that would have warned her of the Mach 12 storm that Lanzeki claims would have scrambled her mind.
1: Claims.
0: If she hadn't missed it by two hours.
1: Two hours doesn't seem like very much. Like, it seems like a lot, I mean.
0: Oh, yeah, you get out two hours before That's storm That's not, hits.
1: like, a close call.
0: <laughs> ha. She's a bit perturbed, but quickly switches back to annoyance when Lanzeki again tells her she shouldn't cut Crystal alone. And, oh, hey, maybe she should team up with Larsdahl again. Mm. Kilishandra asks how much Larsdahl paid Lanzaki to mention a team-up. And then thinks to herself, quote, as if she'd ever sing duet with Larsdahl again.
1: As if, as if. What a perv.
0: And she wondered why. There must have been good reason once if Lanzeki said they'd worked well together. He'd know. But the prohibition against Larsdahl must have been severe for it to stay so firmly in her mind, even if she couldn't remember the details.
1: Hmm.
0: You'll find out a little bit more about her in a sec.
1: Okay.
0: And thus kilashandra heads to a private room in the guild hall, and we reach the crux of the matter, because, quote, that was the one problem with being a crystal singer the Sonics did something to your recall circuits. Your memory. That's right. Uh. Actually, unless you went off-world completely and got away from the crystals, nothing memorable ever happened.
1: <laughs> You'd think that maybe... Oh. Hmm. I was going to say maybe there'd be, like, mandated vacations, but That's maybe true. they don't want you to remember things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thinking back, Kilachandra does remember a few details of the duets she sang with Lars Larsdahl. She recalls that he sang a little bit sharp, and it had been the devil to compensate when they'd cut minor notes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Her body, however, is still pulsating and resonating with the screams of the rose quartz that she <sighs> cut. And so Killa Shandra takes a bath, and climbing from the tub, admires her body, which Gee
1: is— there, hot stuff.
0: Which is described as that of a young woman, despite the fact that she doesn't remember her age. Oh no. Turns out that the sonics of the crystal song, which kill your memory recall. Also stimulate RNA regeneration, allowing something close to immortality.
1: Oh, wow. I guess that... Hmm. What would you think? Would you take that trade-off to have immortality if your memory was impaired?
0: Uh, her memory is kind of shitty. Uh, just to give you a little spoiler here, she could only really recall back about six months to a year, although there's some vague stuff from before that.
1: Sure, but would you take that trade-off?
0: Probably. Maybe. Hmm. Interesting. Opening her closet, Kilachandra is surprised at the fine quality of clothes inside. Then calls to a local spaceport to ask the destinations of ships blasting off anytime soon. She's told the port is quiet today, but there is a ship leaving for the Armagh system. Kilachandra asks if she's ever been to the Armagh sector before. And after a moment, she's told, no, she hasn't. So she asks about Armagh's main exports. Fish oil and glue. Ooh,
1: sexy. Came
0: the semi-disgusted reply. She asks if it's a water world and is told it has a normal land-sea ratio.
1: <laughs> What's normal? I
0: don't know, 50-50? <laughs> but an extensive tropical zone. Ooh. And so Kilachandra sold and asks for a seat. She packs a bag and looks about the empty room, annoyed by the complete lack of personalization.
1: Yeah, you know what? I think if I were her, I would do it like put a ton of memories in there so that I would like have physical copies of memories that I can't remember. Ah, Unless it's too disturbing, (laughs) where it's like, oh my god, I keep I'm keep being reminded that I can't remember.
0: The first two days of the space voyage, Kilichandra sleeps for over forty eight hours. Whoa! Having taken a drug to help her body rest and lose some of the remaining resonances from the crystals. On the third day, she enters the common room, quote, hungry for more than food. Ho <laughs> oh. ho! But none of the male passengers on board strike her fancy. Ah, bummer. So Chandra, who from now on I'll just call Kay, because it's easier. Yeah. Retreats to her room for the remainder of the trip. Quote, Arma 3's port authority terminal smelled of fish oil and glue. Ew, she <laughs> was warned. Renting a vehicle, Kay looks over the list of tourist resorts. But the list is too long, so she just picks one at random. (laughs) And ends up in a fishing town called Trefoil.
1: Oh, no, not a fishing town.
0: Upon arrival, she goes out on the dock and watches a huge two-masted sailboat approach. A man on the dock, described as a red-bearded giant, glances at Kay approvingly and asks if she's been there long. When she states that she just arrived in town, he recommends a hotel called the Golden Dolphin the two smile at each other vaguely and Kay feels like he reminds her of someone. But she doesn't have enough memory left to recall who.
1: Hmm. Hopefully not her brother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As the ship pulls up to the dock, Kay admires the men of Arma, who are described as tall, tanned, and strong. And while she admires the men, Redbeard admires her. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, he does.
0: Until two men join Redbeard on the dock, one with black skin and blonde hair. And the other with a black beard and tangled hair.
1: Yeah, tangled.
0: The ship pulls up to the dock and the three men get to work on the oily scales of the Lunk.
1: Ooh, did they get all oily?
0: Yes, they did. Ooh! The Lunk, a great oil fish of Arma. They're huge. They're like 30 feet long. They're basically giant whales, but... Oh, okay. They're just called Lunks, and that's where they get the fish oil from. (laughs) Hmm.
1: Where do they get the fish oil from?
0: Lunks. How? Oh, um, their livers.
1: Oh, bummer.
0: <laughs> Kay admires the men at work for a while for their skill, their ability, and their shirtless labor.
1: they hot, hot bods.
0: Especially the blonde man with the black skin, until her stomach groans.
1: Oh, man. Oh, horny. Never mind. Hungry.
0: <laughs> Kay realizes that she's hungry, so she goes to check into the Golden Dolphin, changes her clothes, and heads to the bar. After an exchange of pleasantries with the barman, he asks if she'd like to drink something tart or sweet.
1: Ooh, that's a tough call because I don't really like either of those. <laughs> I would not want something. I'd be like, mix it together.
0: <laughs> Give me savory. <laughs> yeah. And Kilachandra decides on something cool and tart. The bartender recommends a local brew called Harmat, which is made of fermented fruits, but warns her that it's strong.
1: Mm, excellent. That's what she's looking for.
0: Kailashandra asks him to make sure she doesn't drink too much, but then smiles to herself because crystal singers have a high metabolism that actually stops them from getting drunk. Ah, that's
1: not fun. This whole immortality thing is starting to seem less appealing.
0: It comes with a lot of... uh, (laughs) Drawbacks. A lot of drawbacks. The Harmat is tart and cool with a pleasant sweet aftertaste. Okay. Kate declares it a good drink for a sun world and a good drink for sailors.
1: Is it a good drink for sailors? Every
0: drink is a good drink for sailors. Or
1: is it a good drink for checking out sailors? Ah.
0: <laughs> the barman, whose name is Bianco, agrees that Harmat is a good drink, but complains that although it would command high prices off-world, local trade laws say the local population must be provided for first. And the local population is sailors who drink everything that Bianco brews. So he never has enough left to export. <laughs> Kay enjoys Bianco's company, up until the point where the bar starts filling up with fishermen thirsty from a full day's work. Mm, yeah, they are. But among the fishermen is Redbeard and the blonde, <laughs> and the Redbeard turns out to be named Seamus Thursday.
1: Oh, they don't—they have names. They what do a have shame. names. Aww.
0: <laughs> While the blonde is Shad Tucker.
1: Of course, these are so. These names match their appearance.
0: Do, do do they? Yeah.
1: Seamus the redhead? <laughs> yeah. And. Shad. I was gonna say Thad. Oh. <laughs> Shad, the blonde haired, dark skinned fellow.
0: Mm hmm. While Seamus warns Kilashandra against drinking too much harm at, Kay looks over at Shad Tucker and is disappointed to realize he's probably too young for her.
1: Well, she doesn't know that. And for all she knows, everyone is too young for <laughs> her. <laughs>
0: The fisherman with the black beard and the tangled hair also approaches, introducing himself as Tur-Donnell.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, that seems about right.
0: And he asks her why, if Kay had the whole galaxy to choose from, she would vacation on such a dull fisherman's world as Arma.
1: Oh, you know, I picked a random place.
0: Perhaps I like water sports, Kay replied.
1: <laughs> uh, no comment.
0: <laughs> Not bothering to hide her fair appraisal of tur Uh-huh. Seamus asks her if she's planning on going on a boat tour or a wave ride or going submarineing. And Kay says she's actually there just to rest because she's tired. <laughs> oh, Seamus replied, "I'd never think you've ever known fatigue, ma'am."
1: Ma'am? Oh, I don't think so.
0: For someone unfamiliar with the signs, how would you know? Kay replied.
1: <laughs> Is that flirting?
0: The trio laugh, and soon Kay finds herself at a table with all three.
1: Oh, this is fantastic. I like where this is going.
0: Matching them drink for drink and enjoying their conversation. Seamus continually plies her for information about where she's from and what she does. And Kay constantly distracts or deflects while asking them questions and learning things about the planet. (laughs) She finds out the trio have known each other for five years and team up every time that Mm -hmm. it's lunk season. Yeah, they do. When it's not lunk season, Seamus works on the dock doing odd jobs with computers, while Tur Donnell works inland. But Shad Tucker sailed the seas of four planets before landing on Arma, and keeps talking about leaving, but he hasn't yet. Hmm. Kay asks Shad about the various fish that he's fished on various planets.
1: I would never ask that question. <laughs> so tell me about the things you catch. Chlamydia? <laughs> but yeah, that you'd want to
0: know. And Seamus continually speaks highly of Tucker's fishing prowess. But Shad Tucker still seems too young, so Kilashandra turns to Tur and chats him up until Bianco serves dinner. Quote, made no resistance to Seamus' suggestion that they all dine together, and she spent the rest of the evening in their company, and her night alone by choice. Hmm. She'd not made up her mind.
1: Uh, just take them all. <laughs> she doesn't have to choose.
0: Kate wakes up before dawn and watches the sunrise while floating in the hotel's private lagoon. Ooh. Around midday, Seamus Thursday appears at the hotel and offers to show her the various sights of trefoil. To quote, He steered her from the usual tourist paths for which she was grateful, and she finds him to be good company. Seamus continually prods again, continually... Without stop, for information about what Kay does for a living. Mm,
1: This seems very suspicious now.
0: And she remains secretive and vague. Quote, it wasn't exactly that she liked being secretive, but few worlds understood the function of crystal singers, and some very odd habits and practices had been attributed to them. Hmm. Kay had learned discretion and caution.
1: Or she should be out there teaching the world not to be uh, discriminatory. Mm,
0: That's fair. In the late afternoon, Seamus's pager goes off. And he excuses himself to get to work. Pager. Um, yeah, it doesn't say pager, but that's basically what it was.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Reading from the description.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And Kilachandra goes along with him to the dock, mostly because she wants to watch Shad Tucker at work. Yeah. Thinking to herself yet again for the 15th time that he's definitely too young for her.
1: Ah, uh, mm just go for it.
0: After the fish are unloaded, Kay finds herself back at the bar at the Golden Dolphin with all three fishermen. Shad is particularly happy, and Seamus explains that Shad is once more threatening to buy a ticket and leave the planet, though Seamus thinks he won't do it because he's stayed much longer than he ever intended to at all. When Kay asks Shad why he hasn't left yet, Shad says that Armagh is a true sea planet, offering a constant harvest and lots of variety. Turd Donald and Shad Tucker begin debating about fish, and fishing, and the art of fishermaneering.
1: Oh, that's gotta be very boring.
0: And so, quote... For the sake of being perverse, Killashandra took Tur Donald to bed that night.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> sure, why not?
0: She didn't regret the experience, although there was no harmony between them. Ah, uh, that va- happens. His vehemence did take the edge off her hunger, if it gave her no peace. Oh. She did not encourage him to ask for more. He well, was gone by dawn. You
1: mm-hmm. know what I hear? Hmm? There are many fish in the sea. Oh
0: my. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta get out there and try some more.
0: Seamus drops by that morning and takes Kay, touristing 10 miles south of Trefoil, to a seafruit farm. Seafruit. Mm-hmm. Farm. Sea cucumbers.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Yum. sexiest.
0: Together they go scuba diving with the seafruit farmer, and Kay thinks to herself that Crystal Singers seem to prefer water worlds because of how peaceful it is on their ears when below the surface.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: Seamus and the farmer continually check Kay's gear to make sure she's fine. And the trio go around the seafruit fields, picking fruit and enjoying the sights, staying underwater for three hours.
1: Getting all pretty.
0: When they come up, Kay goes to change back into her clothes and Seamus comes into the room.
1: Oh, that's bold. And
0: approaches her and kisses her. Oh, my. When Kay is still and doesn't kiss him back, Seamus pulls away, asking her if she's actually after Shad Tucker. He's -hmm. seen how she looks at him. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: Kay shrugs, quote, unwilling to place the man in any category. But you don't fancy me, Seamus asked. She looked at him a long moment. I think, she began, you remind me too much of someone I've been trying to forget.
1: Oh, mm -hmm.
0: Oh, just remind you? Seamus's voice was soft and coaxing, almost like Tuggers. She put that young man firmly out of her mind. (laughs) Not to worry, Seamus, the resemblance is purely superficial. His eyes twinkled merrily and Kay realized that the resemblance had indeed been purely superficial, for the other man would have responded with dark suspicion and urgent questions. Mm. Kay ends back at the bar of the Golden Dolphin, chilling with Seamus and Bianco. Donnell and Shad Tucker were both absent, chasing after the Lunkfish who had moved offshore. Uh As the evening progresses, Kay ends up getting an invite from Bianco the bartender to go with him into the hills above town tomorrow to harvest land fruit for Harmat.
1: Fruit.
0: Seamus laughs, saying, Bianca swears he's never touched sea fruit in his life. I've never been that poor, Bianca replied with some dignity.
1: Oh, no. Dude. <laughs>
0: someone doesn't like sea cucumbers. Mm. Classist. That someone is me. <laughs> Bianco wakes up Kay before dawn, and she dresses in the clothes he suggested. Overalls, boots, and hair braided tightly to her scalp. To quote, Bianca was amiable company, quiet at times, garrulous but interesting at others as bianco's tractor heads into the hills above town it makes regular stops to pick up children of assorted ages who all arrive carrying machetes and dressed in overalls
1: oh child labor cool
0: yeah it's the cheapest kind of labor
1: <laughs> it sure is
0: <laughs> heading out of town the tractor goes along the acid road through the jungle Ooh,
1: the acid road
0: spraying acid into the jungle to stop the plants, which are literally reaching out their roots and seizing the tractor and trying to grow over top of it. Ooh,
1: it's alive! Like, sorry, I guess plants are alive. Oh, yeah. They are, um...
0: They're vicious and moving. Mm, They're quick. This is a very lively jungle.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Sentient? Or just, uh, quick?
0: Quick. Quick. Bianco boasts that he owns the entire mountainside. Surprising Kay, who thought him a mere barman. Ugh. I'll surprise you more before the day is over," Bianco <laughs> boasts,
1: with his
0: prowess. After a time, they reach a clearing where buildings with acid roofs house a processing center.
1: Acid roofs.
0: Yes, that's what it says. Acid roofs. Like the roofs of the but buildings. Made of acid. Well, it keeps the plants off. I'm assuming there's acid walls too, and acid windows and acid doors. It just doesn't say. It did say acid roofs.
1: Has acid door, how do you open the door without touching it?
0: Gloves.
1: Acid proof
0: gloves. Acid gloves.
1: <laughs> acid gloves. Okay.
0: So they reach a clearing where some buildings with acid roofs house a processing center and some temporary living quarters. The various children split up into groups of six and head further into the jungle. While Bianco explains to Kay that, quote, there are as many blends of harmat as there are fish in the sea. His had made the golden dolphin famous which is why so many Armands had patronized the hostelry. None of that vapid, innocuous stuff came from his stills. Harmat took months to bring to perfection. The fruit he'd processed today would not be fermented for nine months and would not be offered for sale for six years. Mm. Bianco shows off the vats in the basement and the alarm at his belt, should the jungle ever manage to break into the room.
1: Like a thief in the night.
0: They go from vat to vat, and Bianco gives Kay gulps of various blends while enjoying sips himself. Quote, because she liked him and she learned about Harmad from him, she gradually imitated drunk.
1: Oh, wow.
0: It's a politeness thing. Sure. And more of the quote, he'd had a good deal of experience, Kay had to admit, and he tried his damnedest to bring her to pitch, but the frequency was wrong, as it had been with Tur.
1: That's a shame. And
0: would have been with Seamus, and this badly puzzled Kay. She ought not to have had such trouble (laughs) off-world.
1: Well, better try out some more men.
0: And while Bianco sleeps, Kay thinks back to Lars Dahl, her ex that the guildmaster has suggested she team up with again. She can remember his annoying, cynical laugh, and the fact that he cursed her, saying she would find fulfillment with no other lover if she left his bed. Hmm,
1: so he put an actual curse on her.
0: So far this vacation that it was true. And it had also been true for her vacation before this one.
1: Ooh, she's we, not
0: having a lot of luck. Try which, more men. Which is why she's so vexed. Looking down at her firm, young-looking body, Kay thinks back to when she gave birth to children.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. so she's not super... Well, Decades ago. Okay, she's not that young?
0: And thinks that she probably has grandchildren by now, if not maybe even great-grandchildren.
1: What?
0: Kay thinks a bit more about Lars Dahl and how she outsang him and how cruel he was when she refused to teach him to sing better, saying you either had the skill or you didn't. It couldn't be taught. The breakup had been difficult, and she'd actually needed to get the guild involved. Ooh. But, quote, the sound of the returning lorries and the singing of the climbers roused Bianco. He blinked at her, having forgotten in his sleeping that he had taken a woman again. With solemn courtesy, he thanked her for their intercourse, and having dressed...
1: Thank you for the intercourse <laughs> ma'am
0: ma'am and having dressed he excused himself with grave ceremony wow so polite <sighs> thank you for the intercourse <laughs> k bathes and then gets dressed heading outside to see bianco paying the kids for the fruit they harvested
1: whoa he pays them
0: yeah i mean you don't have to pay him much though less yeah, than normal that's labor that's true Bianco then starts up the fruit processor. And the sound of the engine makes Kay scream aloud, startling everyone. And she's surprised that no one else was disturbed by the engine starting up. And that's when Bianco says, you're a crystal singer then, aren't you?
1: Oh, he caught her.
0: As he steadies Kay, she rocks on the balls of her feet. I'm sorry, Bianco declares, I wasn't sure. And I would forgot the crystals in the drive were off. Honestly, I did or I'd have warned you. You should have them balanced," Kay replied angrily, instantly apologizing for her vehemence. When she asks what Bianco has heard about crystal singers, he replies, quote, "A crystal singer can sound notes that'll drive a man mad, <laughs> and that they lure men to them and seduce them and then kidnap them away to Ballybran and they never come back.
1: What? They're boogeymen, these crystal singers.
0: Well, they're, they're sirens.
1: Oh, they, they in the night they steal men." <laughs>
0: Seduce and steal.
1: Seduce and steal them.
0: Back to Balibran. (laughs) Kay smiled a little weakly because her ears still ached. What made you think I wasn't a crystal singer? Me, Bianco replied, jabbing at his chest with a juice-stained finger. You slept with me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Kay reached out and touched his cheek gently. You are a good man, Bianco. Besides being the best brewman on Arma, and I like you. But you should get those crystals balanced. (laughs) And that's when Bianco starts grinning to realize that Kay had only been pretending to be drunk earlier.
1: That's weird.
0: (laughs) After some banter, Kay agrees to balance the processor's engine crystals, which are in B-flat minor. Bianco has just enough tools to do the job, and striking the three crystals that make up the engine... K finds that the D and B-flat crystals are perfectly in tune, but the E crystal is off by half a tone.
1: Mm-mm-mm. Shameful.
0: Kay lets Bianca watch while she works, shifting all three crystals down into a major triad, which exhausts her by the end of it. When the work is done, the engine starts up without difficulty. Kay feels better, but Bianca notices how tired she is and suggests that she take a nap while he works on getting the fruit ready. Some hours later, he wakes her, the work done. It's dark and the child laborers are tired. <laughs> and so everyone piles back into the tractor trailer to head back to town, arriving a little before dawn. Bianco tells Kay that he's in her debt. And Kilachandra replies, if he really thinks so and wants to pay her back, he can keep quiet about her being a crystal singer.
1: Mm, fair enough.
0: Bianco asks why, and Kay replies, quote, because I'm human, no matter what you've heard of us.
1: Also because people seem to think that you kidnap humans. <laughs>
0: And I must have that humanity on equal terms, or I'll shatter one day amongst the quartz. You don't lure men back to Ballybran, Bianco asks. Would you come with me to Ballybran, she replies. He snorted. You can't make Harmat on (laughs) Ballybran. Kay sleeps, then lounges about the private lagoon for some hours the next morning. Then spends the afternoon drinking Harmat in the bar with Bianco. After dinner, the lunk boats come back to the docks, and anticipating the rush of customers... Kalashandra gets behind the bar to help Bianco serve drinks. And that's when Seamus comes back in, along with Tur Donnell, and Shad Tucker. Mm-hmm. Seamus and Tur tease and flirt with Kay, as men do with barmaids. Oh my god. Uh-huh. But Shad Tucker lounges in the corner, drinking introspectively. Bianco insists that the various fishermen eat dinner to, quote, lay a foundation for more harm at. And the night turns into a raucous party, with loud music and high spirits. Kilashandra dances with anyone and everyone.
1: Everyone.
0: But Shad Tucker sits in the corner all night, mostly watching Kay. After time, she approaches him to find him picking dead skin from his hands. Oh.
1: Because it turns out mm. that
0: lunkfish have acid scales, and he had to use his bare hands on one, and his hands got acid burned.
1: Mm, sexy.
0: He says they'll be fine in a week, so in the meantime, he's just going to pick the skin he's off. He's just going to sit there
1: in public. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just flake is dead skin everywhere
0: well yeah but he's attractive so it's okay
1: oh i disagree
0: <laughs> you weren't dancing kilishandra noticed i've done my dancing with the fish these last few days <laughs> shad replied he grabs a guitar and starts tuning it and even before he starts playing a song kilishandra is enraptured because shad tucker has perfect pitch
1: oh there we go
0: he starts playing a song improvised but sophisticated And Kay stares at him until he finally just leans forward and kisses her. And she kisses right back, pulling the guitar from his hands and wrapping herself around him. In public. Only for the band to start up on the other side of the room. And the music ruins the mood. Really? And Seamus pulls her away for another dance. As she hits the dance floor, Kay notices Tucker staring at her from the corner again. Quote, He is very much too young for me, she told herself.
1: Oh, he's going to end up being the one, isn't it?
0: And I am very fragile with too much living.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the sound. Cut to the next morning with a quote that states, the next day she nursed what might have been her first hangover.
1: Oh, my.
0: She tried hard enough to acquire one.
1: <laughs> drink enough eventually.
0: Kay lazes about on the beach in the shade until midday when Chad Tucker approaches with fruit and an unspecified drink that I suspect to be liquor. Probably. They spend the afternoon together in relative peace, and after a swim in the lagoon, Keleshandra feels a whole lot better. When she suggests dinner at the bar, however, Shad suggests a different plan.
1: In his bedroom?
0: They walk down the beach to a place he knows where they can dig for bivalves at low tide.
1: Ooh, sexy, delicious bivalves.
0: And cook them right on the beach. Kay mm-hmm. wakes up next to the dying fire, Shad sleeping up against her. Quote, She'd been wrong to dismiss him for what was mere chronological accident. Yep. Irrelevant to the peace and solace he had brought her. Her body was exultant, renewed. Mm -hmm. There
1: we go. We knew this was going to (laughs) happen.
0: After some light banter, they make love a second time.
1: Oh, a second time. Oh my. Someone special.
0: And we cut to the next day at the bar where Seamus and Turdonnell are totally cool with Kay and Shad pairing off. Bianco expresses a minor concern, but quickly relents when he notices how happy they are. The days pass in ease and relaxation. Shad takes Kay up and down the coastline, half-heartedly searching for a property to invest in. (laughs) She listens happily while he plays his guitar for her, and the days multiply into weeks. But...
1: long vacation. But...
0: But... To quote, So deep was her contentment that the first twinge of uneasiness caught her unawares. She knew what it was, though. Her body's cry for the crystal song. (laughs) When Shad asks her what's wrong, Keleshandra replies, it's nothing he can't cure. (laughs) But as night falls, Kay can't sleep. Despite thinking that Shad had purged the remaining crystal from her soul, and despite looking up at the stars and thinking of resigning from the guild, Kay knows that she can't.
1: Crystals are a drug.
0: Crystals are a drug. To quote, To him, she was a novelty, a woman to make love to, now, when lunk season had been good and a man needed to relax. But Kilachandra was not the sort of woman he'd build a home for on his acres of seafront. For her, she loved him, for his youth, for his absurd gentleness and courtesy.
1: Wow, really?
0: Because in his arms, she was briefly ageless. She
1: is ageless.
0: <laughs> Kay thinks to herself that it's not fair. Kashad is too young, and he'll forget her and all the other lovers that he'll have. While well, she'll just forget him, period.
1: Yeah, like, what's the difference? <laughs>
0: Shad wakes up to her crying and comforts her. and She thinks, "Mm, maybe he won't actually forget her when she's gone. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Bianco tracks them down two days later, carrying a summons and a warning. The Crystal Guild is requesting Kilishandra return to Ballybran, and implicit in the message is a warning that she's already been away too long.
1: Mm.
0: Because the longer she stays away, the faster she will once again begin to age.
1: Oh, yeah. That's right. That's why her body needed that sweet, sweet crystal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't want to get old.
0: Kilachandra watches across the bar while Shad plays the guitar, strumming a song he composed for her. And then she realizes, oh, he has perfect pitch. Why, maybe he can come to Ballybrand and she can teach him the crystal song. <gasps> Is she
1: going to kidnap him and take him to Ballybrand?
0: <laughs> but Bianco stops her, saying, quote, if you love him, Kilachandra, don't. He'll remember you this way, and that's what you want, isn't it? She nods and watches him play the guitar for a while. It never works, does it, Kilashandra? Bianco asks. She shakes her head, no, and thinks back, vaguely remembering to herself.
1: All the men she's kidnapped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, hadn't she actually met Larsdahl off-world so, so long ago? And before that even, had she met someone and been taken to Ballybran? Uh,
1: so they're created.
0: In the final quotes of the story, perhaps, who knew? The difference was that now she was old enough not to play the siren for Crystal. Old enough to leave love while he was young and still in love enough to remember her only as a woman. No one forgets you, Kilashandra, Bianco said, his eyes dark and sad as she turned to leave. And she replies, maybe I can remember that much. Hmm. And thus ends Kilashandra's summer vacation. <laughs> So, like I said, it was just like Weekend at Bernie's, too, except without the dead body.
1: No, not at all. Not <laughs> even at all. It was not nearly as rompy or adventurous.
0: <laughs> oh, but there was some romps.
1: There was no uh, wacky... Um...
0: Yeah, there were no wacky misadventures.
1: That's what I was looking for.
0: But there was a moderate amount of sex, which is perfect for Valentine's. It's true. Just around the corner.
1: Valentine's moderate amount of sex is what you want
0: (laughs) that's actually why i picked the story in time for the season premiere for
1: valentine's
0: (laughs) so just as a side note um remember before i was saying there was some confusion which is why i was using the cover of the novel as our thumbnail for this one right so the story of killashandra crystal singer coming from continuum 2 a short story collection i think That this was a prototype for the Kilachandra novel that Anne McCaffrey went on to write. Mm -hmm. But the thing that puzzles me is the back of the book of Continuum Mm 2 has a totally different plot for this story. Oh, really? (laughs) It says, Anne McCaffrey returns to the frightening world of the Mile Key Mountains, where Kilachandra, a crystal singer, is losing her ability to detect the killer storms that will destroy her mind.
1: Uh, (laughs) So, Interesting. (laughs)
0: Um, but yeah, that wasn't the plot, as you just heard. <laughs> Instead, she went on vacation, had sex with three different men, and fell in love. Four
1: different men. No three, because yeah. she didn't do the redheaded dude.
0: And To be honest, though, what a fantastic vacation. If yeah. only we could all be so lucky. So, all you need. This has been the Everett Book Club. You could visit us online at www.everettbookclub.com.
1: Email us at everettbookclub at hotmail.com.
0: Our Facebook group is Everett Book Club.
1: Our Twitter, which we never use, is Everett Book Club,
0: also. Don't subscribe to it.
1: (laughs) Everett is spelled E-V-E-R-E-T-T.
0: And so is our Instagram, Everett Book Club. We use that. If you or your organization are building an artificial intelligence, Marguerite and I are actually about to start touring the world again, administering Turing tests.
1: Please note, there's no guarantee of accuracy, efficacy, or professionalism.
0: And if you know of any secondhand bookstores that deserve some love, email us and we'll give them a shout out. So, Marguerite, do you really think that Butlerbot's margaritas are better than mine?
1: I do, because they are. And it's Butlerbot3000.
0: Wait, is 3000 her surname?
1: I think it might be the number of humans she's killed. Last week she was calling herself Butlerbot2743, remember?
0: Oh, and there were those mysterious 257 deaths around town last week, but I thought it was a coincidence.
1: It probably was, because I still need her to make me margaritas.
0: She's very good at keeping the Mormons away from our front door.
1: Oh, best butler bot ever.
0: Best butler period.